Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Today we'll be discussing the confusion around homosexuality coming from Pope Francis. A couple of weeks ago, two prominent German bishops wrote the preface for a book calling for blessings of homosexual couples. Meanwhile, Father James Martin, called on by Pope Francis to be a Vatican consultant and speak at the Vatican's World Meeting of Families, has celebrated gay pride masses. To discuss this and much more, we have with us a man who lived the homosexual lifestyle himself, LifeSite's own DC correspondent, Doug Mainwaring. Stay tuned. Doug, welcome to the program. Thank you, John Henry. Thanks for having me. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Doug, let me start off with asking you if you can share a little bit of your testimony as it pertains to today's show. Sure. Uh, how much time have you got, John Henry? <laughs> this could be a long story. The, um, you know, like many people who... Uh, uh, you know, come out as gay, uh, say, you know, I, I feel like I was born that way. I've always been this way. Uh, and that was my experience, too. And um, and so I, you know, I went all through, you know, my school years and and uh, college uh, sort of, uh, you know, just carrying around this secret with me. Uh, I was fortunate d during the summer of my freshman year to go to confession and to talk about this for the first time with a priest. And uh, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I didn't ask for it, but I had a conversion experience that, that night. And, uh, and my life started turning around from there. Eventually, I uh, joined a Catholic charismatic uh, prayer community. Uh, it's called the Mother of God Community, uh, located uh, out in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Uh, and I was a part of that for about 20 years, and that's where my wife and I met um, and were married um, and uh, went through uh, problems with uh, conceiving a child. We, we eventually adopted twice. Uh, and then sadly, when our community fell apart, as many of the charismatic communities did uh, during the early to mid-90s, um, our the whole sort of foundation of our life disappeared, and we ended up getting a, a divorce, uh, or separating and eventually divorcing, uh, but we separated when our kids were, were quite young, just barely two and just a few months old. So um, I went off. To, to live as a, a gay man then, and spent the next dozen or so years that way. And um, at first, and I've written about this all over the place <laughs> uh, in many publications, I, it was very freeing. You know, I thought, this is great. You know, I'm finally comfortable in my own skin and that sort of thing. Um, but you know what? It didn't last very long. And I, it didn't take me long to start seeing all kinds of problems in the gay community. Uh, and especially, uh, as men just treated each other not as, as full-fledged human beings, but mostly just as sexual objects. And second of all, there is just such an overtone of adolescence, uh, behavior that, that, uh, 
uh, was present in, in so many of the relationships and gatherings and that sort of thing. Um, and then another thing was, was I found that gay men just really didn't have an interest in anybody who had uh, young children. And I, at, the, at that time, uh, had the, the primary custody of our children. So um, uh, that was another red flag that went up. So, uh, you know, I, I started questioning what I was doing, why I was doing it, and so forth. And then um, when the, I'll fast forward to when the Tea Party movement started, I uh, uh, started writing uh, uh, commentary for the Washington Times about the Tea Party movement and um, found that to, to, to be uh, uh, a good outlet for me. Um, it was my awakening politically where uh, I, I could express some uh, my, my conservative views on fiscal issues and so forth. But but something amazing happened as I, I went out to support the the, uh, the the Tea Party movement and to serve as an apologist for it and to educate the public on it. I realized that the reason that I was using in, in my, my, my mind to arrive at the conclusions I was arriving at about, you know, how, uh, about fiscal responsibility and so forth, all of a sudden I realized it had to, I couldn't stop with my reasoning there. It had to start applying to my own life. And I started seeing that the fiscal issues and size of government and that sort of thing, those are, those are important issues. But, the social issues all of a sudden appeared to be much more important to me. And so I started to drift away from the Tea Party movement and started to speak out uh, in defense of human life and so forth. And, and uh, eventually I, you know, I, I had promoted same-sex marriage as a member of the Tea Party movement, but I eventually found I could not defend my stance on same-sex marriage. And uh, what's more than that, uh, I had to take a look, good long look at my own life and, and, uh, and, make, and I had to make a few judgments about how I was living. And again, to make this long story short, I decided I could no longer live as a gay man. Uh, and I uh, and, and, and in divorcing my wife, I had done a tremendous harm to her and my own children. And so um, I eventually began to search for a way to put my marriage back together again um, after having lived as a, as a, uh, a chaste uh, man for, for a period of time. And it was wonderful. Um, God provided a way. Uh, I had no sooner finally made that uh, resolution that I needed to, to get back together again with my wife. Then the, the phone rang and, and it was my wife, Valerie, and she uh, announced that she needed to have uh, surgery that was going to require a long period of recuperation. So she, she asked if she could come and live with me and our two sons during the final stages of her, um, of her healing. And I recognized right away, this is God answering my prayer within, you know, 48 hours. So I took a big gulp and I said, why, how about this? Why don't we just uh, 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 pack up your apartment and how about you just move in with us? 
And she said, okay. And that was the beginning of the healing of our marriage. And at first I thought it was just going to be, um, uh, you know, live and let live. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're just getting together for the sake of our kids and uh, peaceful coexistence, all that sort of thing. But the miraculous things started happening. I thought, uh, you know, we'd look forward to just maybe uh, peaceful coexistence for a couple of years until our kids both got out of high school. But um, God started healing our marriage day by day. And we went from sitting on opposite ends of the couch while watching uh, Jeopardy to to slowly moving closer together each night and sharing popcorn and um and that was almost eight years ago now, and we've been together ever since. And um, there's just been countless blessings to our family as a result of our marriage going, getting back together again. There, uh, uh, you know, and I, sh- I should add that there's, there's still plenty of wounds and, and uh, repercussions in the kids' life, lives as well. But my, my goodness, uh, God has just been so good to us in... Um, allowing that to halt and to, to, to begin to turn around. Amazing. Amazing. Truly blessed. Now, the funny thing is the, the teaching of the church, and you're a very faithful Catholic, and yet so many people call the teaching of the church on homosexuality uh, hateful, harmful, hurtful. Um, you know, they've, they've wanted the church to change the catechism. Um, you know, in the catechism it says, and I'll read it for you, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity. Tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. So the church is very clear on the or homosexual orientation or sort of temptation toward sexual activity as not being sinful. Yes, it's disordered, but it's not sinful. The acts themselves, giving in to those temptations, just like giving in to any sinful temptations, are sinful. What's your take on that stance of the church? And how would you explain it to people who are uh, affected with sort of a temptation toward uh, homosexual activity? Well, I, I found the church, church's teaching to be exactly right. Uh, you know, one of the things I didn't mention a few minutes ago is that when I started feeling drawn back to, uh, you know, to, into a relationship with, with, uh, God, uh, and, and I started searching for a church to go to. And I started with the, this church that was, you know, uh, the Metropolitan Community Church, which is pretty much exclusively for, for gays and lesbians. And um, it only took one visit for me to decide, well, this isn't right. What they're teaching here is, is, is not right. And, and I went through many other uh, denominations and finally came back to the Catholic Church because it's the only game in town. The, the church it was the the Catholic Church was the only place where people were willing to speak truthfully to me about my own life. Um, my conscience was was already telling me things about the way I was living my life, but I still needed to hear that from other people. And I can't tell you how many ex-gays and lesbians and so forth that I know who, who say that um, people who 
think they're doing, you know, being nice, doing a good thing, uh, being affirmative and, and so forth, uh, that they're somehow helping men and women who struggle with same-sex attraction. But the opposite is true. We desperately need to hear the truth, just like any sinner needs to hear the truth uh, about their sin. And, you know, so many people say, well, the Catholic Church's uh, teaching isn't seeker-friendly. You know, uh, it's not going to attract uh, those who have same-sex attraction. It's, and in fact, it's going to repel them. Um, that is a lie. Uh, the truth is, is that the, the the church's teaching is a great big beacon of light. It's what drew me back. It's what's drawn so many people with same-sex attraction that I know back and, uh, and, and have drawn us into to lives that are um, so much better, so much more full, so m much happier. Uh, there's so much joy that comes from not giving in to the weakness of the flesh, but uh, being able to demonstrate to oneself that you have mastery over the, the, the weakness of the flesh. So, um, you, you know, the, the forces acting within the church right now that are trying to, uh, uh, cast aside 2000 years of, of solid teaching, wisdom, spirit led understanding, um, are doing a tremendous disservice to the very ones that they're, they're hoping to, to help somehow. Um, and I, I can't say that strongly enough. Uh, we need to protect the, the teaching of the church on same-sex attraction. Absolutely. In fact, I did a whole show on the Pope's trip to America where he met with a homosexual man and his partner embracing them with the video camera running. And it's, of course, aired all over the place. I'll let our viewers check out that show in the link below. But there have been many more concerning things uh, from the Pope himself. Um, let's, let's maybe start with what happened when the Pope spoke with a Chilean sex abuse victim. His name was Juan Carlos Cruz. He identifies as, as, as gay, and in comments, uh, the Vatican refused to deny. The Pope allegedly said, Juan Carlos, that you are gay does not matter. God made you like that and loves you uh, like that, and I do not care. The Pope loves you as you are, and you have to be happy with who you are. Just to show the impact of that statement from the Pope and uncorrected by the Vatican, let's watch this CNN clip where you will see, uh, you know, Chris Cuomo go over this with Juan Carlos Cruz. Um, let's have a look. Then Pope Francis says something that we have never heard from anyone in any position of authority at the Catholic Church, let alone a Pope before. He says... God made you gay and loves you that way. Your sexuality doesn't matter. If you're a Catholic or not, you would never expect to hear anything like that coming out of the Vatican. When so, you saw the Pope look you in the eyes, and we know what the position of the church is, right? Mm -hmm. That being gay is some kind of function of disorder. We love the sinner, but not the sin. That's what you expected, I'm sure. When he looked you in the eyes, he said, Juan Carlos, God made you like this. God loves you like this. The Pope loves you like this, and you should love yourself. And for me, of course, tears, you know, and it's been incredible the amount of gay people that have written to me and said, 
I'm, I'm crying as I hear this, and it's, it's, it's touching. So I hope that by me doing these things, it helps survivors, it helps gay people, it helps all these people that have, are disenfranchised and, and that uh, are suffering in some way, and that I can contribute to bring them uh, through this great man, the Holy Father, um, to, to bring them some kind of solace in their lives. There will be people who don't like it. There will be yes. people who will hate on yes. you. There will be people who will explain it away within the yeah. church. And none of that matters yeah. because the Pope said something that that church and that the world needed to hear. Being gay is not what you do. It's who you are. And he said that for everyone to hear. Yeah. Thanks, Carlos, Chris. Don't thank me. Thank you for telling your story here. Thank I you. appreciate it. Thank you so much. So, Doug, if I can ask your reaction to what we just saw. Uh, yeah, actually, the whole the whole conversation with, was premised on lies. Uh, I remember that you and I were in Rome at the time that uh, this occurred, uh, when the, the Holy Father said this to uh, to uh, Mr. Cruz, and uh, I was just stunned. I remember I, I raced to to write about it for LifeSite Newsreaders, um, and talk and called it the the lie of the century because it was it struck me as being just so dangerous it it undermined so much good you know that's gone on in in, in terms of of teaching people who are dealing with same-sex attraction and uh you know my head was just reeling after after hearing that um but again what people with same-sex attraction need is not affirmation they, they, they don't need affirmation of their, their sexual tendencies. They need affirmation as children of God. I know I do, and everybody else I know who struggles with same-sex sex attraction does as well. Um, John Henry, um, I, at the time, I solicited comments from a lot of folks I know who now live a chaste lives. I asked them about what they... Um, uh, thought about the Pope's words. W would you mind if I, I read a few of those? No, please do. Please do. That'd be great. Uh, because they, these folks, they all had the, the same sort of response, the same, th same one that I did. Uh, one man wrote to me just how seriously, he wondered how, just how seriously the Holy Father takes the church's teachings on this and other issues of sexual morality. It is deeply disturbing to believe that leaders of the Roman Catholic Church are more concerned about winning people's affection and approval than the fate of their eternal souls. This certainly makes it a lot harder for those of us who are same-sex attracted and trying to obey the Church's timeless teachings to do so, or even feel like we are welcome in the new paradigm-shifting Church. And then he went on to say, belonging to a church whose leaders don't even believe in its teachings just seems kind of dumb. Um, and then there is another who said, uh, it, it was by connecting the crystal clear dots of Catholic tradition and of Catholic truth that many of us were able to turn to Christ and away from the homosexual lifestyle. Because of this, we were able to discover real peace and true freedom. We are now praying that the clergy does not confuse our brothers and sisters with fuzzy dots that will lead them onto a bridge to nowhere. And another said, as a young Catholic woman who loves Jesus and daily lives to follow him, it makes my heart very sad to believe that the Pope would say 
what he allegedly said to this young man with same-sex sex attraction. And um, gosh, I, I mean, I could go through through a lot more, but uh, but but that gives you the general sense of, of how so many of us felt when the, the Pope spoke those words. It was really troubling. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the need for uh, concern for the soul first and foremost, besides which the church has never taught that we have to be mean or nasty or anything like that. Our approach that uh, the approach of the church and the approach at LifeSite when we write about these things and talk about these things is caritas and veritate, love in truth. And it, it goes sort of both ways that, you know, there has to be love when explaining these things. So, you do it in a manner where you actually demonstrate through how you say what you say, um, that you are concerned for these individuals who are living lives of sin that can lead them to hell. Um, and also uh, that, you know, you have to express the truth itself in order to show that you love, because it's never loving to allow someone, uh, you know, there's no love in a parent allowing their kids to play on the freeway because they think it, otherwise they'd be mean if they didn't let them do that. That's not love, that's convenience and, and or trying to get hassle avoidance. But you don't do that when you actually love someone. You tell them the truth, even if the truth hurts, you tell them in a way that they can accept it, hopefully, and hear your love in it and see that you're lovingly telling them this. Yeah, and, 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 and let me say a couple of other things. One is that um, I realized a long time ago that when I first went to confession to, you know, to, to, to talk about my same-sex attraction uh, as an 18-year-old, this was back in 1976, and um, if my pastor had, in, you know, instead of directing me to the church's teaching, if he had instead uh, said, it's okay, if, you know, if it feels good, do it, you know, your God made you this way, don't worry about it. Well, you know, again, that was 1976. I probably would have been dead of AIDS by 1986. Um, there's no, no doubt in my mind. My life was saved by God, but also by the faithfulness of my uh, parish priest. Um, but, uh, you know, affirmation is, is, is a big problem. Um, I, I can give you an example of the high school where I went. It's a very upscale community just outside of Washington, D.C., a blue ribbon school. Um, and not only did I graduate there, but my, my sons eventually graduated from there. And uh, I think it was about three years ago, there were two suicides within one semester. Um, and th these were kids who had everything. And so it caught the attention of the, the local papers and, and TV stations who, who covered the, the, the tragic suicides. But one thing never came out, and that was is that the, the two girls who took their own lives were, um, uh, were, were transgender, that they were trying to live as men, as males. And they had nothing but support from their school. You know, everybody used the pronouns that they wanted to, to use. They weren't bullied. Uh, and in fact, everybody went out of their way to show them respect. And they certainly would have had the best of, you know, medical, psychological care and so forth available to them. But, you know, my view after it happened was 
it, they got affirmed to death. And of course, the mainstream media overlooked that. Um, the, the records have been, you know, social media and so forth. Uh, all of that has been, um, erased. But, um, but, but I, I feel it's, it's an, a cautionary tale for, for others, uh, who have children that are, are dealing with something as, as, uh, uh, like transgenderism, especially now that it, it seems to be a contagion that's taking off in, 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 in among young people, especially young girls. Yeah, absolutely. It's very confusing, too, from the standpoint of the church, because we've had this um, thing with Pope Francis where he has, in fact, mentioned uh, at least a handful of times about the problem with the gender ideology. But at the same time, he, he seems sort of uh, schizophrenic in that he was, uh, in 2015, he invited a transgender couple to the Vatican. He said they were married and uh, they were happy. Um, of course, when we first reported that in 2015, people actually didn't believe us, thought we faked things, but he actually mentioned it uh, in 2016. On October 2nd, 2016, Pope Francis referred to this woman who underwent a sex change operation. He referred to her as a man. Uh, and having been married to another woman, admitted to inviting them to the Vatican uh, in 2015. And of course, there's this photo, which uh, we'll take a look at now, um, of the couple. And you can see the one there on the right uh, is, is a woman who has mutilated herself to look like a man and taken uh, hormone treatment so that she's growing facial hair. Um, but you know, he even, at the time, he clarified in this interview uh, on the plane his use of pronouns. He ended the pronoun war, if you will. He said, he that was her, but is she. And uh, this is, you know, impossible for Catholic activists who work in the sphere um, and, and people who try to teach the faith on these things to have the Holy Father himself advocating or, or acting out this confusion. Some of the most concerning things, as I said at the top of the show, uh, just last or a couple of weeks ago, a couple of German bishops have given a, an endorsement to, even written the press, preface of a book calling for homosexual blessings of homosexual couples in the church. Um, we have um, one, one of the things that, uh, you know, a, a direct approval of Pope Francis of some of this is, is this. Um, Bishop, uh, then Bishop Supich or Cardinal Supich, uh, who was put in charge of Chicago, well, he's well known to be against church teaching on the subject in this respect. Uh, first of all, he was a very controversial character anyway because of his refusal to allow his priests to take part in 40 Days for Life, the, the great pro-life work. But also, um, I remember during the second Synod on the Family in 2015, um, Cardinal Supic was in Rome and I was there and at a press scrum, he was talking about Amoris Laetitia that was allowing for communion for divorced and remarried couples. And he was saying how, you know, if the couple feels in conscience that they should be able to receive Holy Communion, then they should be able to come for forward and the minister of Holy Communion must respect the consciences of the people. So I said to him, well, Excellency, if, if that's the case, what about, let's say, homosexual couples? If they felt in conscience that they should be able to receive communion too, should the minister of Holy Communion also feel compelled to give them Holy Communion? His response to me was, 
gays are people too. Yes, the minister of Holy Communion must respect the conscience of the people. It was so unbelievable that, that you know, people thought, again, LifeSite must be making it up. We then put out the audio of the interview that I did with, with Cardinal Supic. Um, and he was, again, he was Archbishop Supic at the time. And a few weeks later, he said the same thing on television um, that, you know, in an interview that, yes, the, the, you know, homosexual couples should also be allowed to receive Holy Communion if they feel in conscience that they're fine. Unbelievable stuff. And he was named Cardinal by Pope Francis after that, after it was clear that his stance on these issues was apart from the church's understanding. So uh, the, the uh, situation around Pope Francis and these issues is uh, very concerning and uh, very confusing indeed. Yeah, certainly. And um, y- you know what? And I'm glad to be a part of LifeSite News where I can cover all this stuff and, and, and bring it to light because, um, you know, I, I see a lot of people's lives being endangered by the, the trends, uh, you know, that we're, we're noticing in the church to uh, affirm homosexuality. And, um, you know, and again, LifeSite News is one of the few places where, where folks who experience same-sex attraction can go to, um, you know, stay on the right path and, and uh, find their way uh, to a life, you know, a full life in, in, in Christ, rather than uh, just sort of dissolve into the, 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 the muck and the mire of the world. Absolutely. One, one of the um, ways that the church sort of deals with this issue, uh, as we talked before, it was about caritas veritate, the truth and love, or love and truth. And there's a you know, people want to perhaps uh, present a friendly face and and not offend too much or or drive people away. We're not talking about doing that. Um, We're we're talking about presenting the truth still, uh, but in a way that is loving and caring. Um, One of the things uh, I think a lot of people have, uh, a lot of people maybe in the church think about, uh, about doing is, well, let's kind of be quiet about it. Don't mention the church's teaching. Just be really welcoming and uh, let people just sort of come in and maybe by osmosis or eventually they'll get there. What would you uh, respond to that kind of an approach? I'd say that's a stupid idea, John Henry. Um, You know what? Uh, It's important to take a stand for the truth because so Few people are willing to do it nowadays. Uh, I, I think most people do exactly what you were just talking about. Um, and, you know, if it, if it doesn't come from somewhere inside which says, well, I'll, I'll just be quiet and, and not stir up any problems, uh, you know, there's plenty of others that have been bullied into silence. And, you know, we, we see this everywhere. And I know that uh, when I first started speaking out uh, through opinion pieces and so forth that I, I wrote at the Washington Post and in and, and, and other Washington Times and other places, that... Um, Boy, the the backlash was swift and it was really strong. Um, and it wasn't just people saying that, you know, Doug, I disagree with you. You know, you used to support same-sex marriage and now you you don't support that and you, you don't even uh, affirm, affirm homosexuality. Uh, a lot of people wanted me dead 
you know, the, 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 uh, they just wished the most vile things uh, upon me, my family, and, and so forth. And so, uh, and I know I'm not the only one who's experienced that. Every other uh, person I know who, you know, in the lead up to uh, the, the tragic Obergefell ruling by the Supreme Court, all of us who were speaking out against uh, same-sex marriage uh, experienced the same things. We, I mean, we were just um, vilified uh, uh, in order to try to silence our voices. Um, I remember I spoke at a gathering at the Capitol building in uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, and there's a, a big gathering of maybe several hundred or a thousand pro-family, pro-marriage folks. And when I finished giving my talk, um, you know, it's time for me to, to go back to the airport. Well, four guards had to walk me out of the building, the Capitol building, to, to my taxi uh, in order to ensure my safety. That's just how crazy things got at the time. Yeah. Yeah. How do you cope um, with, uh, you know, temptations and uh, things like that? This is one of the questions that, you know, a lot, a lot of people have, you know, how, how do you stay chased? Uh, they think I'm a, I'm a gay man or, or whatever, and I wouldn't want to be. In reality, there are lots of people who think like that would love to be free of these kinds of things. What do you do to to be free of temptation and to uh, or, or or resist temptation and uh, remain faithful to Christ? Yeah, I you know I don't know if I'll ever be totally free. Um, I've I've gotten trouble in trouble for using this analogy, but I've said many times it's like being an alcoholic where. You know, I don't think I'll ever say I'm totally free of it. I, I, I still, you know, like any, any alcoholic knows, you have to be very well aware <clears throat> that that's still a demon lurking at your door. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and you can't forget it for even one minute. You have to face that every single day. And so I do that. Uh, prayer has been big. I, boy, I remember when I first started making the move to, uh, pull away from that lifestyle. Uh, I, I was no longer a part of the church. Um, but I started dropping into a local church, the Catholic church, and would just kneel in the back for a minute or two. And I pray, God, I don't know what to do or where to go or how to deal with this, but here I am. Please help me. And uh, I did that every day for a couple of years. And uh, interestingly, I, over, over the months, I moved closer and closer to, to the front, closer and closer to, to the altar. And, um, you know, and uh, when the, the time came, uh, that's when I began to real, after I'd proven that I could be uh, chased and um, remain so, uh, that's when I began to seek to uh, uh, put my marriage back together again. I felt God was leading me to, to do that. And, um, uh, and then it was another year after our marriage was healed that I came back into full communion with the Catholic Church. I uh, desperately wanted to do that for, for quite a while by that stage, but I wanted to prove to myself first that I really meant what I was saying when I told Jesus I wanted him to sit on the throne of my life. And um, 
So, so yeah, prayer has been very important. Uh, we have an adoration chapel in our parish, which is wonderfully just within walking distance of, of our house here. Uh, and I go there frequently. I go to mass frequently, uh, daily mass. And also, um, uh, confession. Uh, I, I try to go every two or three weeks, if, if at all possible. Um, and, and I also am part of a, um, a men's group in our parish. It's, um, again, I'm very blessed that we have about a hundred men that get together every Saturday morning, uh, at 6.45 a.m. for a couple of hours to receive a teaching and to, go into discussion groups and so forth. And we also have a purity group. Uh, it's anonymous, um, but we, we meet once or twice a month and um, we go there and, and, and share whatever struggles we may be having. We pray with each other uh, and there's also an opportunity to go to confession there as well. But that, that has been a source of strength, not only for me, I think I'm probably the only guy dealing with same-sex attraction in that group, but uh, for everybody else who deals with um, uh, uh, chastity within their, their marriage and um, uh, being faithful and, and so forth, uh, and, and resisting the temptation to masturbate or watch pornography, those kinds of groups can really be helpful. I mean, as men, or I'll just speak for myself as a man, I need brotherhood. I need brothers. And, um, and not just other folks who are dealing with same-sex attraction like me. Uh, I've I found it to be really important for, for those of us who uh, deal with same-sex attraction to uh, become a part of just a, a thriving brotherhood where 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 faith is is held high and uh, we tr- uphold each other's uh, uh, lives and encourage each other not to sin and if we do sin we encourage each other to uh, to go to confession and to uh, reform reform our lives absolutely beautiful you know I think that the struggles that uh, people who are same-sex attracted have with resisting those temptations are an obvious example to all people struggling with sexual temptations, and that literally is all of us, because all of us, especially today in our culture, so in, <laughs> soaked in sexual immorality, it is uh, an unbelievable challenge. And yet, everyone can draw strength from the example that you and folks like you who struggle with these things, struggle against these temptations, uh, show us in terms of really your, your, your heroism. And uh, Doug, I wanted to just thank you for being on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show and for sharing your testimony. Thank you so much, John Henry. God bless you. And God bless to all of you until the next John Henry Weston Show. Hello, this is John Henry Weston. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the John Henry Weston Show YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. There you will find all the past episodes and much more. Thanks again for watching, and may God bless you.